motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am excited to be here today with our guest, Kenya Romanovska. Thank you so much for joining me, Kenya. Kenya is the founder and CEO of Pros and Babes. She transforms successful, leadership-minded women who are temporarily overwhelmed by new motherhood into confident parents, skilled leaders, and thriving moms, without them compromising family, happiness, or health. She helps mothers contribute their talents fully to our world as professionals and parents and wants to eliminate the motherhood penalty and the million-dollar wealth gap. As a business owner, wife, and mother of two, Kenya has helped hundreds of women pursue leadership, develop stronger, more intimate relationships with their partners, bond more closely with their children, and take the right actions to consistently crush their goals. Kenya is a featured guest on Global News, CTV, CBC, and Make Something Edmonton. She has well-traveled to over 40 countries with communication and development projects all over Europe, Guatemala, the former Yugoslavia, Turkey, Zambia, and Azerbaijan. She is an award-winning community builder, an award-winning investigative journalist, an online magazine creator, an experienced conference and event planner, along with work that she's done with corporate communications in the public sector. Kenya, you have an incredible wealth of experience and expertise, and I can't wait to dive in. Thank you so much for having me, Tian. I'm so excited to speak with you today. I am so excited to have you here as well. And to start off, I would love to have you share how Pros and Babes started and how your motherhood work juggle has evolved since you became a mom. So Pros and Babes started as a figment of my imagination probably around Christmas a couple of years ago. I was involved in many leadership organizations for women, but I I was concerned that there were no child-friendly opportunities. So when we were thinking about venues or even making it accessible, we realized that it's it's really tough. And so that spurred some thoughts in my mind. And one day I came up with the idea, pros and babes, I'm going to book that domain. And so I was pregnant. I was due, I think, four or five months later. And I thought, this is going to become something. I don't know what, but it'll become something. So I reserved the domain. And then fast forward almost a year later, I was back from a trip to Europe with my with my first son. He was around four months. And miraculously, he was sleeping and I wasn't at that time. And I threw out this idea into the into the ether. Essentially, I created 
a curriculum very quickly, a couple of themes that I wanted to revolve around career and motherhood. I put it on Eventbrite. I submitted it on some mailing lists and the first cohort of pros and babes was born. So we had about six participants who came and we spent eight weeks together discussing both career and motherhood challenges on a loose structure and a couple of ground rules. I really wanted this to be a more meaningful networking opportunity, not a one-off where we'd exchange business cards, but a time where moms could come together and forge relationships and grow from that. So I called it Connect, Learn, Grow. And that's how Pros and Babies was born. After I completed this first cohort, moms asked, well, what's next, Kenya? And so from then started a journey that lasted about three years that took me to where I am today, where I continued adding programming, working with local organizations and incubators, exploring how this could be my main occupation eventually, which is which it is right now. And meanwhile, I went back to a corporate job and corporate communications. I got pregnant again. I was hiring people here and there to help me just keep this thing alive while I was growing my family and adjusting to this new working motherhood thing, which is a beast of its own. And this culminated in a crowdfunding campaign during my second maternity leave where I went to an information session and felt right. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I'm like, let's do it. We had a successful crowdfunding campaign. And from then, it's just been leaps into my new program, which is called the Mom BA. It's a 12-month program for ambitious moms who really want to design a life that they're going to be so proud of. And in 25 years, your kids are going to look back on their life and say, mom, I'm so proud of you because you knew exactly the type of family life we'd have and you worked for it and you were able to turn sadness into joy and you, you had core values. So we knew exactly what you stood for and you took things with grace. And, you know, we knew that you were fighting the motherhood penalty, but you had a plan. And now you showed us that anything is possible if you actually just envision it. Because 90% of people look back at their mistakes and the past and they relive those patterns. Only a small percentage of people actually look forward and design the life they want to bid and live and commit wholeheartedly to it, right? So that's that's uh, the history of Pros and Babes in a nutshell. I skipped a bunch of parts, but it's a it's been a three-year journey and uh, I've loved I've loved it profoundly and deeply. That is really incredible. I love how you took something, an idea that you had inside, and instead of setting it aside or not doing anything with it, you took action and you created this incredible community where you're supporting other moms going through the same thing at the same time. And I'm curious, how have you made this all work with motherhood? Because you have two little ones. It's been a lot of self-reflection. I think the foundation of everything has been a lot of self-reflection and articulating what my next steps would be and taking enormous leaps of faith. At every step of the way, I was never ready to make the next step, but I always did and I always journaled and if you saw my living room right now, there are tons of, I'm surrounded by vision boards, I'm surrounded by concepts and values. And I, that's the recurring theme. I, I create goals and then I let life guide me to it, even if I don't necessarily have the action plan. And it's been reflecting on what I call the 12 pillars. Maybe there's a little, a little bit more or less, but I think there are foundational pieces that every mom really needs to 
reflect on if she has a career and then she becomes a mom. She needs to reassess her values or assess them for the first time because a lot of people don't actually ever take the time to to think about what guides their behavior. So that is number one. Anybody who comes into my space, into my experience, they have to start reflecting on their values and start living up to them. That is probably the biggest shift you can make. If you don't do that, you'll realize that you're lost, you're uncomfortable, your life doesn't necessarily fit with a corporate world, kind of something, something's off. And that might mean a different thing for everyone, right? They might be thinking about a career shift or thinking their employer is not supportive. Some might have very supportive employers and actually realize that they feel guilty for not feeling guilty about liking to work and leaving their, their kid in childcare, right? But it all boils down to the core values. So that's pillar number one. I talk about relationships. So your relationship with your spouse changes fundamentally and your relationships in the world change too. So designing that with your spouse, even doing that values assessment with your spouse, and thinking about what you're actually trying to create. Why are you working? Really, what does it bring you beyond a paycheck? Because we know the statistics. When you go on mat leave, when you go on EI, your paycheck is amputated. And that starts even as when we're little girls and when we get out of university. So you really have to ask yourself, if I'm going to spend so much time away from my kids, or you know, if I'm going to spend time away from them and not feel guilty, or feel guilty about not feeling guilty, why? What's your why? Why are you doing it? What will your kids say about you in 25 years? And what will you say about yourself? Right? So that has to be planned with your spouse. If, if you are in a partnership, I unfortunately can't speak too much to the experience of single moms, but you know, the, so my husband and I have had many, many conversations and reflections on the type of life we want to create. And we have a, our values there. And even when we're choosing a vacation destination, we're evaluating it against the different pillars of our life. Um, and another aspect that we look at is money, our relationship to money, how our financial situation evolves, moving away from that scarcity mindset. It's unfortunate. I see moms going on mat leave and they think they're only getting EI. First of all, that is an enormous privilege. Most women in the world don't have access to that. So the fact that we have access to this cushion, right, even if we paid into it, I know we can, I'm not going to get into the political debate, but we paid into it, but we still have access to that. We have the chance to bond with our baby for 12 months, 18 months if we want to, and have our job protected. And that's a bit of a double-edged sword, but just rethinking our whole perspective around money, wealth building, what we want to teach our kids, our lifetime earning perspective too, just because you're going on mad leave right now, you know, if you gather the data about the motherhood penalty and the million dollar wealth gap, what are you going to do about it? So having children is a fantastic time to rethink about how you want to manage your money. Money is just energy. It's resources coming in and out of your life. It's tools, right? So a lot of the professionals I work with will make between 1.5 to 4 million over a lifetime. When have you last stopped to think that this is how much money I'll make and then think, well, this is energy and putting energy in. I'm getting energy back. And how are you going to rechannel that energy into your values and your life goals? So thinking about money is really important. So I talked about um, I talked about clarity, purpose, and mindset and values. That's foundational. Relationship with your spouse, money. And then another one that's really important is support systems. So seeing what is in your village. Who's your village? A lot of women have moved to a different province, right? Followed their husband's jobs or moved away for a job opportunity. So what can support systems look like for you? And then career skills. We often think that becoming a mom makes us less 
professional or less interesting. And in fact, research shows that, yes, there is ma uh, maternal wall bias and the motherhood penalty. So we are seen as less employable, less deserving of promotions, how to hire punctuality standards. But there's a lot that's in your control and in your power to articulate how motherhood gives you superpowers, more compassion, more efficiency, more focus. If you work with me, we really hone in on that, right? So, you know, you're you're talking about, I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot the question, but I think you thought how I got there. A lot of self-reflection on that, constantly reading, reflecting, and taking action, taking risks, taking leaps of faith, and seeing how it fits in with our family happiness. There are moments where I ask myself, well, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. How does that fit in with our family happiness? But my husband and I made a conscious decision that even though the pandemic hit, my business was not going to take a backseat. We're actually going to build a life that can also honor our children. So my husband would take the kids out in nature every day. When I spend time with my kids, I'm very intentional about what I'm teaching them. So I look at my values and I'm, am, I, am I being loving right now? I'm constantly asking myself that question and recalibrating my behavior, right? And then my toddler looks at me and he says, mommy works hard for the family. And he comes into my office and he, he takes his own little computer. So I'm teaching him a work ethic as well. But I'm also always taking the time to self-reflect. Does that align with my vision? And my 25-year vision here says, no more motherhood penalty, right? Uh, touching tens of thousands of lives and less privileged women. Wealth is easy, giving is easy. Working moms have a strong voice and a pathway for career and family. They are living their full potential and sharing their gifts joyfully. So I'm constantly looking back at that vision and asking myself, what am I doing today to help that vision come to life? In 25 years, will my boys tell me, and that's the vision you have raised us as resilient, loving and compassionate men, devoted to faith, upholding our legacy and traditions and service to others. Today, what am I doing to help them become those men, right? It doesn't say what their profession will be, but it talks about resilience and emotional resilience is something I really want to teach them. How will I teach them if I don't practice it myself? And then I say no to things that don't fit this vision. So we say yes to everything. We think we have to, I don't know, the, the example that always comes up is baking the cupcakes, right? I will, you know, I, I adore the moms who are able to do that, but I will, I will never be, probably, probably, I will never be the mom who makes homemade cupcakes um, for, you know, it's, it's okay for me to buy some that are organic and delicious and healthy. And, you know, maybe my husband will bake the cupcakes. Who knows if that's what we really want, Right. But I become comfortable saying no a lot more every day to things that don't serve the mission. I really appreciate what you've been sharing here because I think having that intentionality is so important. So that intentionality around reflecting and becoming really clear on what our values and priorities are. It just makes it easier, for example, to say no to those things that just aren't a fit with our core values and to be really intentional with how we're spending our time and what we're choosing to do and not do. And I think this really lends itself nicely to what I wanted to ask you next, which is what is the work-life balance myth and what can we do about it? Yes. Yeah, so the moms I'm working with, we are actually working through a module on career, career family life integration right now. And I asked each person to choose a word 
that represents that concept for them, whether it's balance, because for some balance might work, right? Thinking on a tightrope. I'm not a huge fan of the concept, but for some, it might evoke something positive they want to aspire to and visualize. I prefer harmony, effectiveness, integration. Balance implies, as some articles I read, uh, some, somebody in a Zen pose that's you know meditating and has that chance to put as much time in the work life as they do into their family life. And we know that in our current day and age, and especially in the pandemic, these things cross-pollinate and they nourish each other, right? What we do in our professional life can nourish our personal life and vice versa and become like a positive reinforcing loop. So I think the concept of, of balance is an unattainable myth. And I see a lot of ranting in media about the concept of balance. I prefer integration, harmony. The whole concept of harmony also implies the existence of dissonance, right? So I used to teach piano and I'm a pianist as well. And, you know, there's tension and resolution, tension and resolution, but all put together, it can create harmony. And you can choose your, your own style. There are different composers, right? Whatever inspires you. Are you looking for a more Bach type of life? Or are you looking more for more of a rock type of life? And what, what are the different rich pieces of it that you want to create? And so I think it all starts with defining what your, your word is, what integration looks like. We dive so deeply with the moms to imagine. Imagine your perfect day when life is integrated or harmonious. What are you wearing? What are you drinking? How are you talking to your husband? How are you talking to your kids? How are you dressed? Who are you hanging out with? So starting with that picture. And I'd like to go back to your question about guilt. I am proud to admit that guilt does not rarely haunts me. I have to be honest when it comes to my motherhood. And just as we were talking, I'm thinking that the more you live in alignment with your values, the more guilt falls down. Guilt is information. Right? Brené Brown talks about the difference between guilt and shame. She says that guilt can be good information to process. And so if I'm feeling guilty, it's an opportunity to journal, to reflect on how I'm not living in alignment with my values. When when we violate a value, when a value is being violated in a, a relationship, if we feel angry, if we feel sad, if we feel powerless and have these strong, strong emotions and we can't disentangle them, even grief sometimes, right? Often it might mean that a core value is being violated. And so guilt can also be a reflection of one of those core values being violated. And it's really interesting to observe how moms start reflecting on those core values and intentionally living them. I really encourage people to always have those values on their wall as a compass. We don't always know what we're going to be when we grow up. We kind of talk about career development in terms of, well, what kind of position do you want to have or what kind of title? But my question is, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of working mom do you want to be? And that starts with those values. That is so important. And I really love how you brought up the idea about writing down our core values and putting them up on the wall somewhere where we can see them so they can serve as that visual anchor. So if we're feeling particularly overwhelmed or emotional, they can really be a tool to help us remember what's important and help us work through those difficult times. And as a busy mom, I know we always talk about this, the importance of asking for help and perhaps in some cases 
outsourcing some things to be able to manage our motherhood and work juggle as best we can. But I know that you say there is one thing you can never outsource as a busy mom. And I would love for you to share with us what that is. Uh, It's going to be a a bit of repetition here, but hopefully that will really drive my point home. You cannot outsource your values. If you let... If you let the world dictate how you're living, TV shows that you don't have consciousness of, even toys, whatever comes into your house, relationships, if you let others run your life, what will your kids learn, right? So that's why I think it's so important to get clear on those core values because especially when your kids are tiny, this is such a wonderful opportunity. They're like sponges. I love hearing my three-year-old absorbing songs and poems and stories that relate to our values. In fact, in terms of what we let them watch, and I let my kids, both of my kids watch television, even though it's, you know, a lot of sources say it's a no-no. We choose very specific things that our kids get to watch that are in alignment with our values. And they absorb it like sponges. And it's amazing to watch because I know what my core values are, right? So as I know that as they get older and my husband's a teacher, they will open up to external influences beyond our household. Right now, we're the superheroes. And I remember songs from my childhood. I remember songs from my childhood. I went... I. I haven't been talking about this very much until now because I think just both of where I was brought up, where there was, it's almost shame talking about religion, but I'll share this story with you. So I'm becoming more comfortable talking about my faith because I didn't even include in what, how it brought me here, but it's been a huge building block of, of gaining strength in terms of, uh, in the face of adversity. So when I was little, I went to childcare with nuns when we came to Canada and Montreal and they were so lovely. I got to go to summer camp with them and we'd sing songs, both lay songs and more religious songs. And I remember them to this day and I'm teaching them to my son and there are a lot of fun songs. And so I see I had this wonderful opportunity to plant seeds in my son's heart in terms of the legacy I'd like to build. Of course, I know that as he grows up, I won't be able to control everything and I shouldn't because he has his own pathway to follow but I have the chance today to plant those seeds so I refuse to outsource my values and even the ones that come from my faith and my catholic faith I've discerned them I've distilled them it's been years of work to decide that yes I'm in alignment with this no I'm not in alignment with this part of the message but this one is core and I think about my ancestors I think about my grandfather who passed away about a year and a half ago and I had the chance to fly to his funeral and I realized that I had no idea about so many aspects of his stories and his heroism when he was younger during the war and how he he managed to stay alive get married and have my dad who has me today and that ties in with our christian and catholic tradition that faith is what really saved my country right and we were told to not be afraid and that's how communism toppled because so many people use the catholic church as an underground force so whether you are whether you practice faith or not or whether you are in an organized religion or not there are patterns and principles that guide your life 
but you may not even be aware of them. And, you know, generations and generations have lived their lives through religion or through principles that they articulate through song or through prayer or through memory. So what is your opportunity to teach your child about your values and your principles in every single moment of your life? And in fact, when you're talking about the most challenging moments, that's when you need them the most because that's when you're teaching character. So when my son is having a tantrum, you know, there are times I'm obviously not perfect, but he's such a strong-willed child and a beautifully willed child. And, and I'm asked to examine the tapes in my head. Am I telling myself, oh, this is so annoying. I don't want to deal with this right now. Or should I see the gifts of his persistence? I know that this is going to, once his energy is channeled properly, right, in a socially acceptable manner, this is going to be a great gift of persistence. And so what I can tell him in a moment of tantrum is, my love, I really want to be patient with you right now. Thank you for your energy. But right now, could we channel it in a more positive way? Or just practice repeating a message of patience. And then I see that coming back to me tenfold. The things that my three-year-old tells me make me weep. We were on a walk this weekend and we were practicing not having tantrums. And I broke a stick for him. And, you know, he said, I'm probably going to start crying when I say this, but he didn't throw a tantrum. He just told me, mommy, I'm sad and I'm mad right now because you broke my stick. And I said, oh, honey, it's okay to be sad and mad. Thank you so much for using your words to tell me not for throwing a tantrum. I'm so proud of you. Do you want to stay here and just be angry for a little bit? Because that's okay. And he said, no, let's keep walking. I want to keep walking. But next time, mama, please don't break my stick in two, okay? And he repeated that a few times. And then later in the walk, he said, mom, I'm, I'm not angry anymore, but I'm still sad. I'm not angry that you broke my stick, but I'm still sad. And then three seconds later, he said, okay, I'm not sad anymore. So it was so beautiful. You know, the, the little boy's only three and he had the capacity to walk himself through his emotions. But we started that work about a year ago with a book. And we you know that that talks about little monkey calms down and we practice that over and over again. And then now he grabs the book. He reads the book. He takes a deep breath by himself. Only three. And I tie that to the fact that our core value is love right? And faith is a core value of ours and accountability. And so I'm asking myself that question every day. And you know what? The people I retain in my life more and more are people who are accountable. I have, I'm having less and less tolerance for lack of accountability. It's just, and, and that the quality of my relationships has improved tremendously. So never, ever, ever outsource your values. You can outsource your house cleaning. You can outsource meal prep. You can even get a virtual assistant if you have a lot of money in your, you know, you want to outsource everything, but never outsource your values. That is such a beautiful story. And I think it just speaks so well of the clarity that you and your family have around your core values and the consistency in which you talk about them and make them a part of the conversations that you're having with your family and with your children. And obviously it's had an amazing and positive impact on your kiddos, which is great. It really makes me actually reflect on our own family and um, how values are a part of our conversations as well. And our oldest is actually a teenager. So our kids are a little bit older. And I find sometimes 
especially with our eldest, that there can be some challenging or questioning of why there are certain rules or expectations in place. And it's funny that when these things come up, it's almost as if the kids anticipate or know what I'm going to say before I do, because the messaging is going to be the same. So for example, things like in our family, we value experiences over things. Uh, And we haven't really used the word accountability, but in essence, that is something that we talk about a lot. So for instance, if our kids have a challenge or question around homework, or they feel like they might need more time for a school task, I will coach them through that process. But ultimately, the goal would be for them to own that and take responsibility for it themselves. And in having that clarity around those core values, I think it makes those conversations easier to have because people, everybody knows what to expect and it gives those parameters around for around the decisions that you're making in your family for what uh, is in line with those core values and what isn't. So I wanted to ask you, Based on your own experience and the work that you do with other women, what do moms need to do to successfully have that career that they can enjoy as well as a family that they can nurture and grow? Yes. So I have this concept called being the CEO of your life. And the CEO has a vision, has their values, has that goal. And I'm experimenting with time blocking, CEO's time block. So I've been playing around a lot with that in a way that would align with my business and my family time. And I have, I actually have some some sketches on my on my wall right now, but I'll tell you a little bit in the immediate moment. My husband's a high school teacher. He just went back to teach in person and we didn't know what to expect this semester or whatever they call them now, like they've broken them up into smaller chunks too with, with COVID. And so my two sons are now back in day home full time, but every day is a bit of a mystery. We don't know whether somebody's going to be sent homesick, whether it's going to be an outbreak. And so we devised three, uh, two keywords for, or maybe more than, maybe more than two for, for our fall. And we decided how are we going to get through fall or how are we going to thrive? And so our two concepts are gratitude and divide and conquer. So because I've been experimenting a lot with time blocking, going back to the drawing board, we'd start with maybe time blocking weekly. Then I try time blocking quarterly around my values or my business activities. But some very concrete things we're doing right now is bundling. So making sure that we honor health, for example. And that means that this this fall semester, my husband and I may not be able to spend the quality time that we so crave with each other in the same way, but we decided that we want to be strong. So uh, I'm going to go on a couple of tangents and bring it back together. We know that we cannot compromise on health and energy. 
So going into fall with the days being shorter, we, we had to figure out how are we each going to get physical activity in there. And so we, we jokingly called for him Operation Top Gun. How is he going to, uh, I have this great picture when, when we were younger and he was working out a lot. He used to be a wrestler and he's flexing his muscles. And I'm like, oh, those were those are beautiful. I, I love you in every shape or form, but I really love those guns. And so we just jokingly, and he made a little switch. He used to always take a nap after work before coming home but right now he's doing a half hour workout right so it's going to pump up his energy levels and his commute on the way home a 45 minute commute uh, it won't put him at risk of falling asleep so small shifts make a huge difference and for me what I do with my sons is I pick them up from day home I pack a healthy snack whether it's a soup or a bar and instead of coming home uh, because it's a transition period we go straight for a walk and so I get my steps in, we get some time in nature, they get to decompress after a day at day home, right? They, they need that to unwind physically and psychologically from the stress of the structure. Caregiving settings are often structured. And we noticed when my son was younger, he'd be great at day home, but then he'd come home and just, you know, kind of like be all over the place. And my, my husband explained to me, Kenya, when you come home from work, you need to decompress, right? Well, it's the same for our kids. And so, you know, we honor so many values doing that, right? We, time in nature, like I'm taking out toys to the basement every day. Whenever they come in, I put them in the basement. Our toys are sand, bricks, rocks, mushrooms. Um, that's, that's what we do. So we, I, I bundle health. Uh, I bundle walks with quality time with my sons. That gives my, my husband the chance to come home, make dinner, decompress, spend time with himself. And then we can recoup as a family. So that's, that's my main piece of advice would be be the CEO of your life. Know what you want to create. Don't go about it in a just really tactical way. Life can really slip away from you if you don't know. Like every single moment, every single day is an opportunity to create your life's mission, your life's legacy. But for that, you need to reflect. So, so that's, that's my piece of advice. If you want to get really tactical, look at bundling opportunities. Look at where you can bundle and honor your values in a meaningful way. And at the end of the day, do the math. I mean, we each have 168 hours in a week. The most successful people in the world, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, also had that time, right? So what were they doing differently? And I know that successful people have a very solid mindset. They run their calendars. They don't let their calendars run them. They outsource their, their, uh, below their prof below their pay grade right and that can mean a lot of things like you don't even have to think about it in terms of money but you have to think about it in terms of your energy where do you want to be spending your energy and what are some tasks that really don't nourish you and where are you at your best and if you work from that space of being your best and honoring your values then the tactical stuff over time falls into place you're going to give yourself that space to experiment and find things that work for you and say no gosh flex that no muscle start saying no to things like I'm saying no to so many things my husband is the lead caregiver on some things sometimes I get phone calls and I say talk to my husband talk to my husband and that forces him to also reprioritize and um not, you know, not think that everything has to fall on the mom. I saw this article in the news yesterday. Moms are quitting, uh, more thinking of quitting. Everything is falling on moms. I'm sorry, I'm going to be irreverent. I hate that term. We are not powerless beings. It is in your control to think about what you want and what you don't want to do. And you don't have to do everything just because it's a tradition. You can design the life you want. We each get 24 hours in a day. It's up to you to decide how you're going to manage that. And if you can't do it right now, 
plant a seed, plant an intention. If you can't outsource right now, but you think it might help you in the future, tell yourself by X date, I will take a leap of faith and I will budget $200 and I'm going to outsource a cleaner twice and take that one imperfect step to at least give yourself that experience. It doesn't have to happen right now. I really love how you're speaking of being the CEO of your life. That is such a powerful image. And it really makes you feel like you are in control because sometimes it can feel so much out of control. And one of the things right now uh, for our own family, we have two children that play hockey And for a stretch with COVID, we really didn't have many things on our calendar, but suddenly things are starting to pick up again. And just knowing with everything going on and there's lots of changes, uh, lots of emotions, it's really important. And I'm trying to be very intentional about it to, to schedule in, in a way, those quiet times or those down times and just making sure that on our calendar, we have those open spaces and those times that aren't crazy or frantic or involving a lot of running around. And again, with the whole image of, uh, or idea of being the CEO of your life, I love that it isn't, it is so empowering in that you can say yes to those things that align with your core values, with your family's core values, and then say no to the things that don't. So I know that an important part of the work that you do involves addressing the million dollar wealth gap that hits women. And you've mentioned the term in our conversation, but I would love for our listeners, if you would be able to share and explain what exactly is the million dollar wealth gap and how can women offset this? Yes. So it starts really, really early in life, but where did I get this information? There was, it's been documented. There's a report published on, on by Merrill Lynch not that long ago. So if you Google million dollar wealth gap women, Merrill Lynch, you will find the information there. And so that is the compounded cumulative effect that women face over a lifetime. From from childhood, we tell girls to save and budget, not to invest and take risks. And we we treat, treat boys differently, right? Right out of university, again, based on a report that CBC published based on another research, Um, straight out of university across many, many subjects. I'm going to be careful not saying all, but many that they covered, all that they covered. Women are offered five to $6,000 less than equally competent men straight out of university, right? Then we take breaks for caregiving, for uh, career breaks, for children and for the elderly. We live longer. We negotiate less. The data is changing that direction. So women are negotiating more, but they're still being treated differently for negotiating. So the standards are different for men and women. In fact, women don't like it when women ask for a raise. Pretty painful. And, you know, that compounds over time. So we invest less. The financial industry is geared more and run more by men. And so questions that are asked about risk tolerance are designed by a different demographic who doesn't necessarily understand our needs. Finally, I was reading yesterday, I think that women simply do not value making money as much. So something that Global published said that women would prefer to have more work-life balance, a word, as you know, I don't like, 
and and miss out on six thousand dollars, right? So I think even in terms of what we value, we may just simply value it less generally, statistically speaking. So I'm I don't know how much women really care about the million dollar wealth gap. I mean, they absolutely should, but maybe they don't. At least that's what I'm like. This what I'm hearing is that they're after things that are different to them, right? Managing their energy. And you're asking me how they can offset it. Well, number one, awareness. First of all, know your relationship with money. If you start investing in your 20s, so if you have any listeners who are younger and thinking about their families, you can, I think that just doing roughly the math in my head and thinking about conversations I have with my wealth advisor. Um, I mentioned wealth advisor, get a wealth advisor. If you want, you can, you can message me. I have a fantastic one who's very committed to, to women. She's the number one in Edmonton. So, you know, in, in your 20s, if you start investing even modest amounts, you could probably offset the motherhood penalty the, because time works in your favor, right? So instead of throwing your money out on things when you're, when you're young, you can, you can put it away and, you know, even have a down payment for your house or whatever you want to build. Talk about money. We often think it's such a taboo subject. Talk about it. Do research about it. Ask people tips to do it. You'll, you'll get interesting answers. I remember talking to a wealthy guy about how to invest my money on the stock market. I'm very interested in the topic and I've been doing it a little bit more on my own until now because I never found an advisor that, that really suited my needs. And he knew I was growing my business and said, Kenya, why don't you, you know, why do you want to invest into the stock market? Why don't you invest in your own business? And I thought, oh my goodness, aha moment of course it's like it's a maybe consider as a high risk stock but i know myself and when you're investing in the stock market the principles are know what you're investing in understand i know myself very well i know my work ethic right and so i thought well you know of course i should use the funds that i have instead of encouraging you know other companies which i'll do because i like to diversify i should invest in my own business so offset first with awareness Offset by talking to your children about money, having a, a, a policy, think about gifts in your life and think about what you want to create and honestly talk to a good wealth advisor. It's not that easy to find. I will say that most wealth advisors like to talk with people who are already somewhat wealthy, who have $250,000, 500, half a million to invest and work with. But I know of quality people who actually will work with, with women like us who are maybe not millionaires yet, yet, but who have a vision of making it happen. So offset by planning, by talking, by researching, knowing the facts early on, and please let your kids know, because we were told we could have it all when we were younger, but I'm sorry, that's just, that's just a myth. You cannot yet still have it all, all at the same time. There is a very big penalty for becoming a mom when you, when you have a career, either way you slice it, right? Thank you so much, Kenia, for explaining what the million dollar wealth gap is. I think it's an important concept and idea for us to know about and to reflect on and to consider when we're making decisions and making plans for ourselves. And I wanted to ask you, for working moms, I'm curious your thoughts on how motherhood can be a part of your personal brand. Right. So... Again, that, that ties down to the initial values. Know what kind of values you stand for and what's important to you and defining positive characteristics and pluses that come with being a working mom. So for every person that will be different to some extent, but we know that effectiveness, right? Being more focused, having a deeper sense of why when you start, when you have kids, you really 
are concerned about them and their well-being. And so working takes on a whole new dimension because you want to model something for them and you want to give them a certain quality of life, right? So truly define and make the effort. There are resources on the internet. I can provide them as well too, but reflect on what kind of qualities you've developed as a mother that are transferable skills into, into working. When you're talking about personal branding, don't use motherhood as an excuse or as a crutch and as an entitlement. You know, you have to plan, you have to work it out with your boss, you have to reflect and please do not bring drama to the office. That's something, again, I'll be irreverent, but few people are very accountable. They blame the system, they blame others, right? How can you help? How can you help make it better? We have the right to vote today because there are women back in the days who decided they're going to actually take action and do something about it. And that's a, I don't want to say privilege. I mean, you know, yes, it's a, it's a privilege. We have to vote. Some people around the world still don't have that great privilege because some people took action. So we know the facts. We know that the system is not set up for working parents. It is not. The capitalist economy is a competitive market. And so if you want to perform in it, you have to take awareness of the data. You have to figure out what your value is. You have to understand the different seasons of your life where you want to put your energy, how you're going to show up as an accountable professional and communicate your value in a positive, empowering way that allows you to reach both your professional and personal goals, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Because some people will make the conscious decision that they will step back from really, really intensive career work to be able to be present for their kids in a different way. So be accountable and show accountability and take initiative. I really love how what you just shared there really highlights the importance of communication. So for us, being clear on our values, being clear on the fact that we need to be accountable, and then making sure that we are communicating with all of those people in our life, uh, asking questions if we're needing clarification, and just making sure that everybody is on the same page. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit here, and I wanted to ask you if you would be willing to share a mommy mess up with myself and our listeners. So oftentimes when we look around, it can look and feel like everyone has it way more together than we do. But of course, motherhood is truly an adventure. I was just wondering if you have something that you'd be willing to share with us, like a mistake, something you wished you had done differently, or perhaps a learning opportunity. I'm not sure if I believe in mess ups. I believe in learning, you know, we're either, we're either learning or winning. So I will, I will celebrate today that I'm quite proud. I've made big shifts in, in my mindset. And I think, I think the times maybe where I'm most, um, I'd say I mess up is when I raise my voice and lose my patience. I always go back on that and think, no, this is not the person I want to be. And of course, I have to give myself grace. I mean, sometimes after repeating something for the 15th time, your patience does run out. We are, you know, we are sleep deprived many times, right? It's just there are transitions. Sometimes our sleep is really good, but sometimes there are transitions. So whenever I raise my voice or act impulsively um, or, or kind of get, get angry or try to blame somebody, uh, I, I'm not very proud of myself immediately, truly. So I'd say those are probably the biggest mess ups. And then everything else, I mean, we've had so many scrapes and we ended up at the hospital recently with a really bleeding tongue. But 
I, I remained calm in the situation. Of course, it was really, it was really scared, but these things happen. My boys are going to jump and bruise themselves and cut themselves and sometimes get too close to the fire, but that's all part of the learning experience. And so I'd say the biggest mess ups is when, when I don't keep my calm, what my kids, what my husband even needs in the moment is for me to remain calm and to make sure that everybody is safe in the moment and loved versus me freaking out essentially over, over a situation. So that's, that's when I, I feel like I mess up is when I react too fast or too impulsively. And then I don't think I'm loving in that moment. I look back on my vows and oh yeah, I wasn't that loving. Let's reset next time. (laughs) I do love that you shared the importance of giving yourself grace because we do get tired. And as you said, you repeated yourself 15 times and it's hard to be patient and it's tough to be calm. And We all have those moments. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us today. You have shared so many incredible words of wisdom with us today. But before we wrap things up, I was just wondering if you had any final thoughts or other words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own motherhood work juggles? Yes, I'd say you have more control than you think. And our brain is so adaptable and so plastic. We are so lucky today to have access to resources around mental health and emotional resilience. And wherever you are right now, maybe you are you know, uh, a heap on the floor crying. You used to be so powerful at work, but you had a traumatizing birth experience or you're really struggling with new motherhood. I had struggles and I, you know, I shared that last week. I've had difficult times in my life. I shared last week about getting fired and how I'm actually proud of that because it brought me to where I am. I shared my stories of anxiety and failed relationships and heartbreak. I dealt with allergies and really, really bad eczema with my young son, right? And so... um, really serious allergic reactions. And we, we grew and we gained confidence. So wherever you are in your journey, and even if it's really hard right now, and even if you're really sleep deprived or you feel lost or you feel like you don't have a village or you're just struggling, it won't always be this way. Things can get better. You will, you will find your stride, whatever transition you're facing, whether you have older kids or younger kids, our brain is so plastic and have faith, take leaps of faith into the fact that if you set an intention to create something different in your life, you can make it better. And there's so much more new control than you think. So whether you're feeling joyful or sad or depressed, know that it's possible for you to find so much joy and happiness in simple things. And when, you know, when you live in your values and, and you take leaps of faith. That is such a beautiful way to wrap up our conversation today. Kenya, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story, ideas, and knowledge with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? I'd say we are we have a really active Facebook group where I have a weekly live show. There are worksheets, there are other moms. So if they need the support right now and they want connection right now, we're actually hosting a gratitude challenge. So it would be facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pros and babes. We're also on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We have our website prosandbabes.com right now. It's more geared towards our 12-month mom BA program for, for moms who really 
want to design, create the life they want, make the money that they want, live according to their values and be supported by others. So those are many places to find me. In my live show, I also have a ticker. My phone number is there. If you have any questions, you can text me. So I'm very, I, I love helping moms think about their next three steps. Wherever you are in your journey, what are the next three steps we could take together to help you feel more in control and have more of a sense of purpose? And so I'm, I'm accessible that way. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Kenya. It was wonderful to connect with you. Likewise, thank you for creating that space, Tiana. I feel so honored that you having me as a guest on your podcast. And I can't wait to keep in touch and you know, work together to help moms reach their full potentials. I look forward to that as well. Thank you so much, Kenya. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.